Welcome to the Manuscript Academy podcast, brought to you by a writer and an agent who both believe that education is key. The beauty is the people you meet along the way. And that community makes all the difference. Here at the Manuscript Academy, you can learn the skills, make the connections, and have access to experts all from home. I'm Julie Kingsley. And I'm Jessica Sinsheimer. Put down your pens, pause your word counts, and enjoy. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us. So, as you might have noticed from the episode title, this is a live recorded episode from our first pages panel last week with Melissa Wharton, editor at Macmillan. We had a really great time going over your pages and learning from Melissa all kinds of things. Perhaps most importantly, why publishing takes so darn long. Yes, it does. Hint, it is not because nothing is happening. It's because people in publishing are generally pretty bad at communicating all of the steps, and there are many. Luckily, Melissa talks about this often ignored topic while also answering your questions live or live then live recorded. We'll go with that. If you hear us mention people asking things in the middle, that's from the text chat on the side of all of our live events. Also, we had two dogs on this episode, both Lulu, who is our informal mascot, and the pup Melissa was dog sitting. So if you hear puppies chiming in, that is why. If you'd like to learn more about live events like these, past and future, there are a lot of them coming up, head on over to manuscriptacademy.com slash live. That's L-I-V-E live. And without further ado, here's Melissa. Thanks so much for joining us. We have a very special evening planned for you. This is our third ever live page review podcast, and we're so happy you're here. We are thrilled to welcome Melissa Wharton, editor at Macmillan. Hi, everyone. And I'm joined by my sweet counterpart today, who hopefully will just let me do most of the talking. (laughs) <laughs> no. no Jerry's Jerry's not having it um, <laughs> but so I'm so here. you guys we were so lucky to have Melissa previously on the manuscript academy podcast where we actually had her conduct a 10-minute meeting with a very brave author and that's episode 56 Would you like mm-hmm. to check that out so we are an online conference featuring live meetings with agents and recorded edited classes with live Q&As, plus live events like this one. Now, a few tech things. If you see someone in the text panicking, please let them know that if they hit refresh, it'll probably be just fine. If all else fails, <laughs> they can see the almost instant replay, which will be up at about 10 o'clock. And um, we can't necessarily do this live and also be in the chat at the same time. I look pretty silly if I try to do this. So we are relying on you to please help out your fellow writers so they don't get stressed out. And there are a lot of you here. So, you know, it's Mercury retrograde. Things sometimes happen. Um, Please do us that favor. Thank you. So I'd like to personally thank all of you for joining us in the middle of summer. Uh, we realize that this, that this time of year is fleeting and special, and we appreciate you spending your valuable time with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I'd like to just quickly just talk to you a little bit about our Manuscript Academy write-ins. Um, I think the next one we'll do is in September. Mm-hmm. We also have something pretty darn special coming for you then. It's a brand new format, a little like a conference, a little like live theater, a little like something that maybe just dropped on Netflix. So. <laughs> oh my gosh, you told way more than I thought you would. So, Sorry. Um, no way. There's so much on Netflix. <laughs> I know. Um, so back to the write-ins. These are interactive ways to join us, just like you're doing right now. 
Um, well, I'll arrive here at your computer and I'll put you through writing protocol meant to ignite your thinking around your work. This is open-ended enough to work with all genres and just a fun way to hang with other writers. Like our podcast, it's free. And encouraging. So let's get on with the show. <laughs> We're big on encouragement, guys. Um, so here's a little about Melissa. She says, I'm on the editorial team at FSG Books for Young Readers. Across the board in fiction, I'm relationship-driven. Fierce platonic friendships, flirty and funny love stories, cool siblings or cousins, dynamic parent-child interactions. I want the characters behind the wheel. Beyond that, a convincing thriller. Recent favorite, In Her Skin, Kim Savage. Setting-based stories, nearly sympathetic bad guys, sports stories, preferably with female leads, on the way to happy endings, light touches of magic or magic realism. Melissa is also a Boston College grad, Spotify addict, and year-round iced coffee drinker. Yes, ma'am. Even in the dead of winter? Dead of winter. Aren't you cold? I wear gloves. (laughs) (laughs) But like from the inside, you're like drinking ice. No, you sort of just like match what's outside and then it's normal. (laughs) I think okay. there's got to be some science to that. Uh, my I, grandfather said that is that that's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, but at yeah. the same time, I don't understand people who drink hot coffee in the dead of summer. Mm. Like, I also don't understand that at all. And everyone's like, no, that makes total sense. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. So mm-hmm. same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Yeah, so if anyone's having some browser questions, Chrome tends to work, tends to work best. Ooh, hot chocolate right now. Rebecca, that's hardcore. We love it. No, (laughs) you're anywhere on the East coast. Absolutely not. (laughs) It's so hot over here. As I described it to someone day, it is, oh, a roach just flew by weather. (laughs) (laughs) Gross. Yeah. It makes you want to get a tennis racket, right? Like I'm not mean to bugs. I swear I'm not mean to bugs. She got you one for that purpose. Yep. It is in the shape of a hand and it has an extendable arm. And I have only used it very gently and in dire situations. But thank mm. she's probably listening. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me want to get a cat. I think that's it. Yeah, that's yeah. the solution, I think. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> so Jessica, I just realized we didn't we didn't explain you guys pot. <laughs> it's a million degrees. Um, we didn't explain the podcast portion versus the oh, live pages portion. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Surprise, everyone. Nancy's peer pressuring me to get a cat. I will consider <laughs> Nancy when I stop traveling so much. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, wanna... cats are great. <laughs> Do you want me to talk um, about Yeah, go for anyway, it. Because you remembered me. Um, so... So what we're going to do, guys, is we're going to do the question portion of tonight um, for the podcast so we can share it with other people. But the first page part is much more our private time where we're going to read um, the selected work and we're going to break that down. So we're going to record the first section of your questions and then we're going to turn that off and we're going to dive in, which is really kind of the, the fun of this whole event. Mm-hmm. Not that the questions aren't fun, but I think the questions are fun. Plus, let me know who's going over the pages and giving feedback. I'm a real person. Yeah, you are. Publishing people are real people too. We're real people. <laughs> so, Melissa, how did you get started in publishing, and how did you know you wanted to work in publishing? Ooh, I'm going to address part two first uh, because that's a cute little story where I grew up in Connecticut, Southern Connecticut, and. I spent a lot of time in kind of the heart of Manhattan growing up. My parents are both New Yorkers. We would go see the tree at Christmas and all the tourists. Yeah. So on 6th Ave, walking towards Rockefeller Center, 
is um, Simon and Schuster. It's their headquarters and they have the big gold letters like on the outside of the building facing Sixth Ave. It's very cool. And I remember being about 12 years old um, and my dad, who I don't even know if he would remember this story, um, we were walking down the streets of Manhattan and he pointed at Simon and Schuster and he said, so is that the dream? And I said, yeah, something like that. And so I just, I knew from a very young age and I made it very clear to all who knew me um, that I, I just wanted to be where the books were. And I didn't really know what that meant. Um, I didn't know in what capacity. I didn't know what capacities there were. Um, so then I got a little bit older. I was an English major in college. I snuck in the back door th- for a publishing internship where somebody knew somebody whose sister worked in the industry and had an intern dropout. And why don't I send my resume? Um, just crazy serendipitous connections like that. Um, and that eventually I fell in love with it. And I was in the children's division, which sort of set my heart in children's, even though let's be honest, I never really stopped reading YA. Um, that's kind of where I, where my reading love really formulated itself. Um, And after college, I attended the Columbia Publishing course for six weeks and found my way to FSG Kids, and uh, they haven't gotten rid of me yet. Oh, yay! I love that story. That's my origin story. Um, If your dad didn't know that and you go tell him, can you tell us what he says? I absolutely will. Everybody tune back in to (laughs) Or if anybody does a critique with me, make sure you ask. Um, I'm going to get the full scoop. Um, Also, in the chat, uh, raise your hand if you were also an English major. Hey, I bet that's like everyone here. (laughs) Also, fun fact about me, I'm a double major in um, our great books program at Boston College. So I also have a philosophy theology double degree. Wow. Nice. Very good things going on in my college (laughs) here. Biochem. I'm impressed. Wow. Both sides of the brain working. Oh, drama major. Yeah. Almost was. Yeah. Journalism major. Nice. Writing on a deadline. Super hard. Social worker. Good work sort of unrelated, but related. I think one of the coolest things about publishing and writers, but also it's true of publishing people. Yes. A lot of us were English majors, but people I know in publishing come from everywhere. We have all sorts of people, um, from all different walks of life, former lawyers, former teachers, uh, just totally different walks that then find their way to the books. It's really cool. I love this list of majors here. Yeah, there's so incredible. many different things. You guys are so cool. Interior design. Nice. Wow. I could use help with that. My brain does not do that. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. I would, that, that's like, if I ha- was in an alternate life, I would love to be an interior designer. I'd like to be good at it. I, I, that's what I mean though. That's what, in the alternate life where I'm good at it, that's what I would do. <laughs> it's not this life. It's not this life for me either. Okay. Um, what's something you wish writers knew about things on our side of the desk? Ooh. I wish writers knew, and and this is no fault of writers. Often I think what this is the fault of publishing folks. I wish writers knew how intense the process is for every book we publish. And I think a lot of that comes from a lack of transparency, um, which is why things like the Manuscript Academy, I think, are so useful. Um, Every book that gets published, even if, you know, we're publishing people's bandwidths for publication are, you know, 30, 50 books a year sometimes. And every book has to go through the same process of being edited, copy edited, designed, laid out, marketing plan, publicity plan going through so much red tape just to get out the door that 
if it feels like things are being slow or held up or taking forever, it's often not on behalf of your agent or your editor. It's there is a whole system and a whole network working behind you to get that book out the door and into the hand of hands of readers that will love it. And I think a lot of times the depth of that process kind of goes uncommunicated or goes assumed Mm -hmm. um, when really nobody teaches you that nobody tells you that, you know, until you get in the door, you're not told that your book, once you're done with your editor, your book will be copy edited for every mistake you never caught. And there's always uh, like hundreds. And then it goes through three, four more rounds of checks, double checks, just to make sure it's in the best shape it can possibly be. So anything that feels like a holdup or feels like, you know, to a point might even feel like neglect is really just extra amounts of care that don't get communicated clearly enough. It's true. We're really bad at communicating all the things that have to happen. So people assume nothing is happening. Exactly. And because the process of a book takes so long, I totally understand where that assumption comes from. You acquire a book and you get told, okay, it'll publish in two years. You're like, what are you doing with your time? Oh yeah, definitely. But it's all of the other books getting that same, even just the minimum amount of care is so much care. Mm -hmm. I have this whole theory about this and it's like, you know, it's like the lesson that you have to learn. I think a lot of us are here for the lesson of patience. Yeah. <laughs> you know, your lesson is patience. <laughs> Wait, he, by here, do you mean in publishing or on Yeah. No, okay. I mean the whole thing. Like you have to go <laughs> on this planet. I want today. I and mean, you have to wait. You have to wait for the emails. You have to wait for the, you know, the, the, the partials, the fulls. And then once you get there, there's another full. Totally. It, it, it's really not for the impulsive, no. you know, people who really want that, like, you know, like that shiny penny really quickly. Exactly. And I think what's so cool about it is the process. Part of the reason the process can take so long is that it is so collaborative. You never have just one editor, just one agent on your book. You have editor, agent, designer, marketer. You have people who pay you in accounts. You have, you know, special sales, getting your book into random museums or whatever. Like, everybody is working for you and somebody just said no instant gratification. And that's Mm -hmm. exactly it. It's just the payoff is a long time coming for in, for my experience, it's generally a year and a half to two years between acquisition and publication, but it's always worth it. The payoff's Mm -hmm. always worth the wait. I hate to think what it would look like if we didn't have that wait. Everything would be slapped together at like Kinko's. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> It'd be like spiral bound, like your high school report. Like. Oh my God. Well, I was just going to say, I remember getting my first like sample case on my desk for approval, um, which is just like the, the cardboard, like literal, like jacket, not, not even the dust jacket, just like the cover of your book. And I was like, Oh, somebody has to make a decision on this. Like they don't just like give you a hunk of cardboard and put some paper in it and say, here's a book. Like you actually have to make choices on that. And those choices take time. So many choices. Um, There was a great question about what the average timeline is like. Do you want to block it out for us? Sure. So for my experience and every imprint, every house will do it a little bit differently. In my experience between we'll acquire a book, we'll spend about a year editing it like as editors, um, whether I'm working alone or whether I'm co-editing, um, within that year, I like to think that within the first three to four months, you'll get your contract, like signed, sealed, delivered contracts takes a really long time. They are slogging through a lot of work and they are the unsung heroes of everything. I love contracts. Um, 
But so probably within those first months comes your contract. As we edit, we edit. And then at about the year mark, we submit it to our production team. Um, In about six weeks, you'll get a copy edit returned uh, from somebody who has gone over it with a fine tooth comb and told you that on this page, you said it was Thursday, but uh, three pages later, you said it was the weekend. What's up with that? And Mm -hmm. your editor never caught it and neither did you. Um, And so that takes about six weeks. Then we take another solid six months to go through three more rounds of that while we design your pages, choose the font, the chapter headers, the cover, the way the text is arranged, how big the spacing is between the lines, everything. Um, And then after about six to eight months of that, uh, the book will be bound and then it'll publish about two years out from acquisition. You guys make beautiful books. I'll give you yeah, that. Yeah, you do. You really do. Books. I hope so. <laughs> you guys are known for gorgeous books. Yeah. soon. Like, it's not really that soon. <laughs> but yeah. no, it is, it's, it's a point of pride. And if, listen, if you're, if we're going to publish your book, we're not taking it to Kinko's. Like, we're, we're going to give you, some, <laughs> we're going to give you an object. We're going to give you something to say, like, I made this. I put my heart into it and we're going to prove it. Something permanent. Yes. Something tangible and real. Mm-hmm. And that takes time. Oh, we had a question about stealth wine glasses. I just found this in the office kitchen. It said like a box. If anyone is curious, I bought this because it's pink and I thought it was pretty. It's okay. I've never been minute. good at wine. <laughs> Jessica sent me killing it like a couple Ooh, years ago. Oh, I love that. <laughs> Every time I have it, I'm like, what? Um, <laughs> I have a water so glass. I'm being can boring. we jump into the participants' questions just for time-wise? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Oh, awesome. wait, wait, wait. Very quickly, though, okay. I do want to know what the typical day is like in Melissa's okay. life. Oh, typical day. Okay. Um, I start every day. Um, another fun fact about me, I am anal about my inbox. I must remain at one screen. If I'm scrolling to get to the next email, I'm bugging out and I'm having a bad day. Wow. <laughs> so I, I am an inbox zero person. I like leaving work wow. with inbox zero that requires a lot of folders. So I generally, all this to say, I generally spend about a half hour to an hour, um, right when I get in because like, okay, like nobody really starts work until nine thirty, ten o'clock. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. And I'm definitely a morning person. I like to wait. Be do in. you get to work at nine? I do. I like to get in early and leave early. Um, what so- time do you wake up and get on the subway? Um, I live in Queens. I I'm generally up at, I'm, I'm also a morning workout person. So I like to, so I'm generally up at around six. I'm on the train by eight. Um, and I'm at work by eight 45. Mm-hmm. Um, now granted it is summertime. I have been slow rolling it a little bit. If any of my colleagues are listening to this, I know you have not seen me in the office at nine. Um, <laughs> but I do typically try to be in the office early. Um, and then use that time sort of as everybody else is slow rolling their way in to really crack down on my email and get it under control. Um, so I use that time. Then often I have a meeting in the morning. Uh, once a week, I have a meeting with my editorial team and we talk about projects we have on submission, projects mm-hmm. that we are working on and need opinions on. So things like this title's not working. Can we brainstorm? Or there's this one scene that feels problematic. Does anybody have any insight? Um, And it's a really productive hour and a half to two hours um, once a week um, so that I might have a morning meeting. Um, We just moved to a new building at McMillan. So now- Is it still really cold? It's okay. It's like a little less cold now, but I still have, yes, it was a tundra in (laughs) our office, guys. Like, like, 
uncomfortable pulling my sweater over my fingers, the whole deal. Um, it's better. It's better. But if I need a break from the cold, often around lunch hour, I will, I've tried to get in the habit of keeping up with submissions too. My submissions inbox is not at inbox zero and has been maybe once in my career. Um, so at lunchtime, I'm trying to take even just 20 minutes to go not at my desk. Now that we have like a cafeteria area, go either chat with coworkers or eat my lunch and dip into a submission um, and use that as sort of my me time um, in the middle of the day. Afternoons, I'm often doing contracts paperwork, um, entering changes into a first or second pass. I'm corresponding with authors about uh, publicity plans or I'm hopping on calls with the marketing team, things like that. Um, Come afternoon, we often have bigger company-wide meetings, so things like acquisitions meeting, or um, we have a meeting once a week for all of the children's editorial board. Um, and then before I close out, I like to get the inbox under control again and see if I can leave myself with like three to five max that like have not gone like at least addressed. Often, okay, listen, you're giving me a face. I cheat sometimes. <laughs> I cheat sometimes and I'll say, and I'll file an email like I did it, but really I'll just write it on my to-do list and then I'll just do it the next day. Okay. But <laughs> it, it, control is a big one for me. It just, it very much feels like my life is in order. And I don't like leaving authors or, or colleagues hanging if I can help it. So even if the email is just saying like, I'll get back to you tomorrow. And then boomerang, if you guys don't use Gmail, boomerang, it's the best thing in the world. You set mm -hmm. it to re-deliver the email to you tomorrow. So I leave thinking my inbox is empty, but in reality, it's just going to send me another email in like 24 hours. Hey, mm -hmm. if, if, it, if it gets me through a day. <laughs> okay. One more question from the audience before we get to our, our last one. Cause I Someone love this question. How many people have, how many people have input on a book ballpark? Oh my God ballpark shoot okay let's think me my two bosses the rest of our editorial team our publisher our president our head of finance we got like five sales reps um that we like really listened to then we got like the school and library team is four people guys we're talking like upwards of 20 nice now and that's before we acquire it that's before we acquire it. And that said, like some people's voices, depending on the book, some people's voices will weigh more than others. Like school and library marketing team might say this book will do really well at institutions, even if, you know, a, a VP is saying, I'm not sure I see a market for this. Like some people's voices will weigh more than others. By the time it's acquired, we're then adding a designer, a marketer, a publicity person, um, the publisher still gets a lot of say if anything goes wrong, like things, God forbid, might go up to the president. Like it's a lot of people know about your book. It's not just your editor. Ah, that's such a nice, like things are happening. People care about you. You're supported, even if you don't see it. It's you are so publishing is so mutually supportive behind the scenes. It's, it's once you get to that stage, like where it's kind of out of the editor's hands and it's into production, see, watching the company kind of rally behind every single title, it still blows my mind. Like it hasn't stopped being cool. Aww. Julie, do you want to ask some questions? I mean, there's so many good questions coming and we have so many other questions waiting. Um, and I guess, and I, I actually know the answer to this, but I bet people out there don't. So I'm just going to kind of um, put a bunch of questions together. So are people reading the whole books? Are they seeing marketing plans? Like, like how do all these people 
in charge of all these things, organize all these books? And how much do they know about the books? Great question. So I think my take on this is that the further away you are from the material, the less of it you're reading. And that's fair. So like, if I'm the editor, I am reading your whole book six times over. Um, if you are the publisher of the children's division at a major big five house, you might've read the first 10 pages before an acquisitions meeting. And that makes sense. You have a lot of other things to worry about, right? Um, if you're the marketing and publicity person, you've probably read it a solid two or three times yourself to really get a feel for niche markets and what the main characters are like. Designers also will read a book, you know, once or twice over just to make sure that they're really staying true to your vision of the character when it comes to representing them on the cover or like the overall mood of the book, making sure that, you know, it's, it's not straying from, you know, just their interpretation. They want to read it again and again and make sure they're picking up all the nuance of it. Um, yeah, I really think the closer you are to the material, you're, and that's why like to get a book acquired, if you've ever been in the camp of hearing a rejection of like, I love it, but I just don't know if I love it enough. That is really frustrating, but editors have to read your book six or seven times. Um, so for someone to say that they're doing you a service, um, and putting it in the hands of someone who will gladly read it that many times. Um, so yeah, the further up the ladder and the further out you get sort of in the process, probably the fewer reads, but at that point it is pretty much in its final form. Mm -hmm. Cool. Okay. Let's jump in. And, and like, I just want to say time-wise, maybe we could like just tighten these up. I'm such Let's a teacher. I'm Let's such a teacher. It. I've been saying that all night. I have all these little things tonight that I can see that I'm like teaching tomorrow morning. I'm sorry, you guys. It's obnoxious. Can um, I throw in one question I think is applicable to a lot okay. of people though? We have okay. seven questions. We do, but this one I think okay, is... Okay, hit it. Okay. Please address... <laughs> on task. Please address when it is acceptable to resubmit. Only when directly asked or when a suggestion for improvement was made. My personal take oh. is, mm, that's a really good question. My, I appreciate a, when it's resubmitted with a suggestion for improvement after enough time. If I make a suggestion for improvement and I get it back in my inbox within like two or three days, I'm a little like, oh, that was, that was fast. Like, no, anybody mm -hmm. else have anything to add? Um, <laughs> you know, like you're kind of, it feels like you're, you know, just me. Okay. Um, but I do appreciate if I give, if I give solid feedback, like significant feedback and it comes back, um, with enough time to really feel like those suggestions were taken to heart. Um, typically I do think it is, that is a calculated risk and it's nice to resubmit when asked. Um, but sort of knowing you, who you're working with, um, and if you really feel confident in their tastes and in the work that you've put in, I personally would have not a problem with a resubmit. Okay, great. So tell us about what you look for in a first page. Ooh. Is an info dump an automatic rejection for you? No, it's not an automatic reje rejection. It probably means I'll skip your first three chapters um, mm. because I don't want an info dump. That's boring. And it shows that to me, an info dump shows that you don't, if you're saying, you know, giving me the full description of the characters, the setting, what they look like, where they are, what they're going, what their purpose is, you don't trust me as a reader. So I don't want to trust you as a writer. 
you have to trust your readers enough that you can put them in a scene or a setting and get rolling and they'll, they'll roll with you. They'll pick up where you left off. Um, and sort of showing that mutual, it, it sets up a mutual engagement between reader and author. Cool. How would you describe the books that fit your imprints list? <laughs> We've had extensive conversations about this. Um, so I hope FSG doesn't mind me um, spilling our new tagline. Um, we do. We, we talk about this a lot, and it's an important question, um, imprint to imprint. And FSG has landed on um, a variation of sexy smart, where we love we love being sort of like commercial, snappy, fun, with you know a step ahead of the times. But we also have a real respect for our legacy, FSG was founded 65 years ago um, and has put out some, and especially at FSG Kids, it's put out some of the cornerstone books of my childhood, Tuck Everlasting, A Wrinkle in Time, Holes, Cricket in Times Square. Like those, those books hold up year after year. And we don't want to be so focused on looking forward that we lose sight of the legacy that we've built for ourselves. Um, so we really do look for books with real staying power that, kids will reach for over and over again. Um, how do you feel about prologues, especially if you used to introduce the overarching theme by putting the reader into a scene that will emerge later in the book? The setup. I talked about this on my last podcast. Uh, <laughs> and I, I have mixed feelings on prologues. Mm -hmm. um, typically, I'm not a fan. I understand where this question is coming from in the idea of like putting a character in a scene that comes up later. Fine. My question off the bat, having read not a lick of this work, is why wouldn't you just show me that scene later? Why do I need to see it now? Do you think it's, is there something in you that's saying the actual start of the story is not engaging enough? You have to immediately put me in the, in the climax of the action and you can't let me get there myself. Um, I don't know. And that, that's all very meta. And that is, I have read prologue that I like. Listen to episode 56. Um, I thought that prologue did a great job. Um, usually I feel like it is burying the lead. And I think that as a writer, you can trust your characters and trust your action to take you there without a sort of insert of fluff to, to lead you there. I am willing to be proved wrong. Aw. And one more question before we jump into the pages. For YA, how many genres are too many to blend together? For example, would you be open to a realistic historical with a speculative twist? Ooh. I don't know. I don't think there's a number. I wouldn't put a number on that. Like, if you, I mean, Jess said it about me in the beginning. If I believe in your characters, if your characters are behind the wheel, you can put them on a medieval castle on the moon for all I care. Just, just let make sure that I'm buying into who they are and what their world is. And, you know, if that's, if that's convincing and if you can get me behind that as hard as you're behind it, then blend away. Mm -hmm. 
And at this point, we had a really wonderful, supportive discussion of the lessons on each page and what each author can do to improve. So about another hour of fun, community, and learning. As you can see, Melissa's really nice, and she's not at all scary, and she comes up with good ideas really quickly. So if you'd like to book a meeting with her or hear her earlier podcast episode with a one-on-one meeting, head on over to manuscriptacademy.com slash Melissa hyphen Wharton. That's Melissa with two S's and then W. A-R-T-E-N. And to learn more about our live events, past and future, head on over to manuscriptacademy.com slash live, L-I-V-E. Hope to see you there. We are so glad that you joined us. And as always, we appreciate your feedback. Just head on over to the iTunes store and let us know what you think. It not only helps us make this podcast be the best it can be, but it also affects our ratings within the iTunes platform. We'd love to hear from you. If you're feeling brave and want to submit your page for our First Pages podcast, you can send it to academy at manuscriptwishlist.com with First Pages podcast in the subject line. We'd also just love to hear from you. And if you'd like to learn more about the Manuscript Academy and everything we have to offer, just jump on over to manuscriptacademy.com.